Welcome to the JMD podcast. To my knowledge, the only podcast dedicated to the fascinating world of inherited metabolic disease. In fortnightly episodes, I speak with authors about their research and help you to catch up on journal articles you may have missed. In the last two years, I've published hours of content, so if IMD is your thing, be sure to check it out. But not before this latest episode on glitazones in X-linked adrenoleukodystrophy. So hello there. So we have talked about X-linked adrenal leukodystrophy before on the podcast. In fact, across two episodes, we've discussed disease modelling, MRI surveillance, a bit on newborn screening and a lot on neurocognitive outcomes after bone marrow transplant. But we've not really talked about treatment itself. So the paper featured today is very exciting. I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Pierre Axel Montagnier to talk about his paper, Therapeutic Potential of Deuterium Stabilised R Pyoglitazone, PXL065, for X-linked adrenal leukodystrophy. Uh, Pierre XL, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you. Before we move on to the paper, um, perhaps a bit of background would be useful. You, you were looking to develop a treatment within ALD. Why is why is ALD such a devastating disease? Uh, so X-linked adrenal leukodystrophy is due to a mutation in ABCD1 gene. And this gene encodes for a protein responsible for the import of long chain fatty acids, or VLCFA for short, into the peroxisomes. And so these VLCFA not being imported are accumulating and especially saturated C26 and C24. And um, this elevation of C26 triggers multiple cellular dysfunctions and have really, as you mentioned, devastating effects on patients. Now, you must excuse my ignorance, but I'm a paediatrician and I haven't thought about glitazone drugs since medical school. So why should a diabetes drug be useful in XALD? So um, it's true that pioglitazone is primarily uh, an anti-diabetic drug, but because of its mechanism of action, it has been tested in multiple disease models. And uh, it happened that pioglitazone showed efficacy in ALD models, in, in pharmacology uh, preclinical models. But the main problem with pioglitazone utilization being its side effects uh, that are body weight gain and fluid retention, and that's an issue for uh, any disease. So the short answer is, uh, yes, there is a background with this family of products showing efficacy in ALD models based on uh, its mechanism of action. You mentioned side effects there. So you've done something slightly special to your drug. I mean, it sounds a bit futuristic. You've used deuterium stabilization. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yes. So as I mentioned, PXL065 is a derivative of pioglitazone. And pioglitazone is a stereoisomer, which exists under two conformations. Uh, R and S, and they are mirror images of each other. So you can see that as your right hand and your left hand. And so these conformations are called enantiomers, and pioglitazone is a mixture of both enantiomers that can naturally interconvert between R and S around what is called a, a chiral center, which is a carbon atom. And with, with PXL065, we stabilized the R enantiomer by adding a deuterium on the carrel center. So why using the R-stabilized enantiomer instead of the S-stabilized enantiomer? So despite its efficacy, pyoglitazone also has undesired effects, such as body weight gain and edema. And we recently showed in a paper that these side effects are driven by the S-enantiomer, and the R-enantiomer retain the efficacy of pyoglitazone without the side effects. So within the paper, you describe your work with both patient-derived cell lines and mouse models. What did you find? And we also showed that these side effects 
are linked to the piperogamma activity and that our compounds, being the R stabilized in non-tumor, has less piperogamma activity, but with other non-genomic effects of pyoglitazone, such as MPC inhibition and ACSL4 inhibition. We found that our compounds was able to reduce the elevated saturated C26, which again is a, is a hallmark of the disease. Uh, but we found these results in both CALD and AMN patients. And then we also, we, we tried to investigate what were the drivers for this effect. So we looked at mitochondrial function, uh, which was improved after the treatment. We also looked at compound saturated transporter for VLCFA, uh, namely ABCD2 and ABCD3 that were overexpressed by the treatment. And then we also moved forward to test our compounds in vivo. And we showed that when we treated uh, the, the mice model of the disease, which is the ABCD1 knockout mice, we found that our compounds was also able to reduce the elevated C26 in the brain and in the spinal cord. You've been working both with patient-derived cell lines and mouse models. We talk about models a little bit in the, in other articles. We talked about models indeed in, in specifically with regards to ALD. Is there any benefit to using one or the other in, in your trials here? So it, it was sort of a stepwise process when we, we did that. We first assessed the effect of our compounds in patient-derived cells in both AMN and CALD patients and in both subtype of cells, lymphocytes and fibroblasts. And after showing the efficacy of the compounds in these two cell types, we wanted to check that the compounds is also efficient in animals' cells before moving into the in vivo studies. And so the aim was to make sure before doing the in vivo study that we will have a higher chance to see a beneficial effect in this model. Now, sometimes when I do the podcast, I speak to authors about some really exciting study data, but when I ask what next, they don't really have a timeline for human trials. Sometimes they're not allowed to tell me um, for legal reasons. But am I right in thinking that PXL065 has already gone through a safety trial and there's an actual phase two clinical trial in the, in the planning stage? Yes, so PXL065 has gone through the, the safety clinical stages and he's now ready to move forward in the proof of concept clinical studies. So we have all the regulatory package to move forward in ALD and the proof of concept clinical study in ALD could start very soon. And something else that's come up in podcasts is, is study design in rare disease and how difficult that is. What structure of clinical trial would you anticipate for this? So the clinical trial would be a phase 2A in AMN patients treated for 12 weeks. And uh, we will look at VLCFA, which is a biomarker and a hallmark of the disease but also to other exploratory endpoints, as well as uh, exposure and safety profile as in many clinical trials. And do you know what your endpoints are going to be, aside from the, the long-chain fatty acids? Uh, so this is still something under discussion, especially because uh, for this kind of diseases, which is a really uh, slowly evolutive disease, there is a huge work in the, in the scientific community to look for surrogate endpoints and to see how we can assess the effect of the compound using endpoints that are easy to access, uh, not too invasive, but it's still uh, under consideration. And the, the late AMN aspect of ALD is a, is a massive problem. We know that the bone marrow transplantation can, can alter the outcomes in cerebral ALD, but AMN remains untouched. This work you're talking about, uh, the initial study result, it seems like a reason to get excited or is that a bit premature? Uh, yes, I mean we we never know the the outcome of of the of the clinical studies for sure. But uh, yes, we are we are excited about this study about about how results. 
uh, we're also glad that our experts uh, with which we share the results are also excited about it. So yes, <laughs> let's be enthusiastic. Well, it seems like a, a reason for cautious optimism. Thank you so much for speaking with me about it today. And I look forward to hearing more about it in future. Thank you. If you'd like to read Pierre Axel's paper, then please click the link in the podcast description or go to our journal web pages and search for, well, deuterium stabilized pyoglitazone. And if you'd like to hear more from us, including those other podcasts on ALD, then please search for JMD Podcast wherever you like to listen. Pierre Axel, thank you again for your time. Thank you, James. And thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.